CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, November the 14th. Uh, we skipped fall, went straight to winter, um, and it's cold outside, and it's apparently going to ice or something. Um, and I see this like graphic floating around of the dude from Hanover County Schools with Iceman, and all it did was me, make me want to go watch uh, Top Gun. Anyway, uh, we are going to talk about Virginia football. The Cavaliers get the, a nice win over Liberty. They go down to Atlanta uh, this weekend to face Georgia Tech uh, before closing out uh, the regular season next weekend in Blacksburg. Um, we might get to some basketball stuff at the end, but when I asked it, who, if we wanted to talk hoops or football first, uh, one of the panelists that you're about to hear from said, what do we have to talk about about basketball? I'm not going to tell you which one of them. You just can decide for yourselves. Up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? Wasn't me. <laughs> wow. Okay, Brad. Just just recovering from the uh, the Notre Dame football uniforms I saw on Saturday. Who Days on the board at Who Days on Twitter. And up in Arlington, the now narked on Justin Ferber is also on the show. How are you, my friend? Brad, you can be my wingman anytime. Oh my gosh! Oh, don't ever don't. That was your Top Gun reference. Don't ever do that again. It was not fun. No, you didn't do that very well. All right, whatever. Um, Let's talk basketball. Add Justin underscore (laughs) Ferber on Twitter. Cavs quarter also on Twitter. (laughs) Cavs underscore Corner, a great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. You know what you should have done? You should have tried to do yes, ma'am, and that would have been that would have been that would have been good. The probably the Mm. best line of that movie. that's not completely ridiculous. I mean, you can't say need for speed or whatever is when Meg Ryan <laughs> says the whole, like, take me to bed or lose me forever. But you, you know, this is a family podcast. So anyway, um, Virginia football, right? That's what we're supposed to be talking about. Not top gun. Um, the Cavaliers beat Liberty. I, I don't want to say handily cause it was only three scores, but three scores seems handle H- handled handily. Uh, mm, anyway, it, th- if you beat it's somebody, definitely by not th- handle. <laughs> All right. Um, if you beat somebody by three touchdowns, you pretty much handled them, right? Uh, but at the same time, there's still plenty of stuff to take away from that game. Um, and I don't want to say nitpick, but to, to be somewhat concerned about it, especially the run defense. Dave, as you left Scott Stadium the other night for the final time, and I just want to let you all know, Dave was so torn up about the idea that this was the last home game. He must have said it like nine times over the, <laughs> like a 24-hour period. But as you left yeah. the last home game of the season, Dave, um, what were some of your takeaways? Are you, were you encouraged, more encouraged by what you saw or more discouraged by other things? I was depressed because it was the last home game. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, no, it's a, yeah, when you get older, you start appreciating how fast the seasons turn. You know, um, Many of them haven't been that fun. This year was really good. But, I mean, my first thought was it's still bizarre to play to me to play a non-conference team in November, um, you know, I, I guess it's a good thing <laughs> given some of the injuries we had going into the game. Um, but overall, I mean, luckily the team seemed a little more engaged certainly after the first few minutes than than I was <laughs> for playing Liberty. But I mean, it's hard to take a lot from that because I mean they're human. They they know they should win that game. They know they're not going against a. Georgia Tech, um, and they also know they need to stay healthy. So I, I think it's human nature not to be fully, you know, psyched up to the point of, like, the Miami game, for instance. Um, but I thought they played well. I mean, Liberty came out and ran the ball in that first drive, and, you know, while while it was concerning to see him give up yards on the ground, it wasn't surprising um, just because it's kind of you know, not what you plan for. It's almost like the NC State game plan. Um, expect us to pass. We'll come out and run. 
I, I don't think Bronco or the staff were just concerned that Liberty was going to be able to do that consistently enough to beat them. So they didn't make any drastic changes to the to the defense. For the most part, ran that two man line the entire game. So you know they got the W. Um, Joe Reed showed out, and you know how I feel about him. So <laughs> overall, take the W. Other than Dylan and, and Garrett getting banged up, um, came up pretty pretty injury free, and that's all you can ask. Yeah, I think the fact that that um, well, one that there were no raindrops, right? Always a positive because apparently rain and Virginia just don't mix this year. But it's 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 interesting to me from the start of that game, seeing Thornhill play th- that he was going to play, and then for him to have the kind of uh, game that he had in his in his final um, afternoon at, at Scott Stadium, I thought. I mean, he really, he's, I don't know if he, if he's just um, really dialed into this specific sort of role or what, but he looked to me like a guy who was, who, who, who is certainly somebody they can lean on. Um, And maybe he, maybe he's been playing that way and we just haven't necessarily noticed as much because we've all, I mean, like, look, Bryce Hall's had such a nice season. Uh, Joy Blunt's had a nice, you know, couple um, games at times. And, and, and I think Thornhill has been such a, uh, an anchor for them to see him play as well as he did the other night and to lead the team in all four grading categories, like I mentioned on the, on the site this week, I, I was, I think that was my one takeaway is that, man, they, they've actually got, you know, a, the, the defensive backfield that we thought was going to be stacked is actually really stacked because they, they were, Brent Nelson was hobbling. Um, I mean, what did he say? He didn't practice until Thursday and he only, and he barely, and it was a light, you know, uh, it was a, a little bit of practice at that. And then to not have Blunt, and they they didn't miss much of a beat. I mean, Devontae Cross is out there making plays. I just thought overall that the, the secondary was better um, than I maybe expected him to be considering the injury situation, and I was really impressed by Thornhill. Um, defensively, I didn't. I, I, I was a little bit concerned that UVA couldn't run the ball as well, as, as even better than they did, and that they didn't stop the run any better than they did. Um, because I think both of them are going to be incredibly important for the next couple of weeks. What about you, Ferber? As you left the other night, what what were some of your sort of concerns and and some of your positive takeaways? Yeah, I mean, starting with the positive, pretty much everything you just said. I think um, the offense early in the game it was pretty clear that they were going to be able to move the ball effectively, um, and they did so. I mean, throughout the game. In the second half, they got a little bit more conservative once they got the bigger lead, but. I mean, they were pretty much moving it at will on that first drive. Is you know the first three drives, I think they scored touchdowns. So um, Liberty's defense was as advertised, um, not very good. Probably the worst um, FBS defense UVA is going to play this year. Uh, the special teams I thought were good again. Um, Brian Delaney had a good day kicking the ball off. Um, he made his field goal. Uh, he made his extra points, which, you know, aren't a given, um, considering what UVA has been doing from extra points in the past. Um, you know, Joe Reed obviously returned a kick for a touchdown, and, and we talked about it when it happened. I mean, it was bound to happen if Liberty kept kicking the ball off short like they were. Um, and and credit the, the, you know, return team for using that to their advantage. And, you know, Lester Coleman had another good game punting the ball. So um, special teams continues to be, you know, an advantage this year, which is a new thing. Um, defensively, obviously, um, I, I thought this while I was watching the game and Bronco kind of echoed it afterwards. I honestly think that they just didn't think Liberty was going to run the ball much. Um, I mean, they run the ball a lot statistically, but I think they thought in this game with UVA being a little banged up in the secondary and the fact that their strength is the passing game, uh, they're the ninth best passing offense in the country coming in. Uh, you know, I thought that they would just try to put the ball in the air and take their chances, but they really just tried to, um, 
you know, beat UVA at the line of scrimmage and run the ball. And really, they did it pretty effectively in the first half. Um, and then into the first drive of the second half for them. After that, it, you know, it just didn't work the same way. But I think they ended up with uh, 205 yards on 40 or so carries. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they play quick. And, and obviously, that's something to take into consideration as well. But, yeah, a little concerned about how they were doing at the point of attack on defense. And, uh, you know, obviously, a lot of that is related to injuries and having some different guys in the lineup maybe. But um, that doesn't – that's not – those excuses aren't going to help you win the next two games. So, I mean, that's something that will need to be worked on for sure. Also, one other thing that I just thought of. Um, <laughs> okay. I know that was perfect timing. Um, in the, in the pen, the pen game, the pit game, um, you know, they kind of got away from what they normally do with the, the discipline side of the ball. I mean, just, you know, not committing penalties, stupid mistakes. Bryce Perkins had the pick. Um, but they only had one penalty in the game. So, I mean, it, it was good to see them kind of get back to, you know, what they – how they've been able to kind of play clean throughout the season. Yeah, I think that's 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 a good point too. I, I Also, I think offensively, like I said, I, I wasn't really I, – I expected Virginia to be able to run the ball better. Um, but, you know, at the same time um, – and I think we one of the things I do want to talk a little bit about tonight is the passing game. I think that Bryce's passing number in the grades sort of jumped out to me, and then I started kind of thinking about it. I don't know how much success Virginia can have the next couple of weeks without being able to take the top off a little bit more. Um, they just really – it doesn't look to me like they have even – I don't want to say they haven't tried because those they certainly have, have run some plays – but Bryce is just not really – it doesn't seem like he's consistently looking for it. Dave, is that a concern for you that they haven't been able to throw the ball deep much at all? I mean, it's a little concerning. Um, I, don't, I don't know that it's – I don't know that I'm worried about it, but it, it is – basically since his hand got hurt, they haven't really taken that many deep shots. But, I mean, there's a lot of risk to a, to a deep ball. Um, they certainly have run plenty of routes. Um, and they've, they've made a few attempts, but I don't know, just the offense is being, you know, is efficient and protecting the ball and, and scoring. So I think those Trump just taking a deep shot for the sake of taking a deep shot. I still feel like I was thinking it might be Saturday. I still feel like TK is going to break, break loose on one of those deep routes. And there was, again, there was another one on Saturday where he was open and um, Bryce didn't hold the ball long enough to, you know, to see him and, some of that's got to be pink related and we'll see. I mean, it, they're seven and three, right? I mean, so, well, you, you can't pick, but so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a cop out. I, I don't like, it's certainly, you'd love to have that as your offense, but they haven't needed it. So I don't know that I could be mad about it. See, the thing I come I, to me for great insight like that. Yeah. I was going to say that was, <laughs> man, you really did punt on that one. Now I, I think that like, you have to be, I think, to challenge downfield, it's got to be a continuous thing. Like, you can't just draw it up on one play. It has to be part of your entire design. Clearly, with Bryce's skill set, they, they think that they need to do a lot more stuff around the line of scrimmage. Um, I'm not a big fan of, hey, we want to try to get Alameda um, a touch. Let's run him and line him up in the backfield uh, and see, you know, if he can do something. I, I would much rather them use Alamade 
at times as a decoy, give the defense something to think about. Um, I'm not saying that would open up things downfield, but it certainly wouldn't hurt. I, I think my my bigger frustration with the offense comes into play when one when they're they're calling stuff. It looks like where receivers are running open, but they're not throws that Bryce is going to try to make. And then two that they don't uh, they don't tend to to use Zacchaeus and and Kelly in so, any sort of tandem that puts the defense at a disadvantage and. I'm sorry, that's a that's a huge red flag because those two kids are special. They are special talents. I mean, you can't imagine, you know, what's the kid at, at Purdue? Like, you can't imagine the offense not figuring out. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just – there's got to be more that you can do, um, even in the even at the short to intermediate passing game, to, to really utilize those two guys better. And I feel like – like I said, it's got to be continuous. You're, you're not going to – you're not going to all of a sudden start throwing downfield just because you decide you want to. You're going to have to – to plan for it um you know there's got to be some combination some compilation there's got to be something there some cohesion that works yeah. you know what i'm saying i will say saturday you did see tk and and oz on the same side of the field a lot more than we have um but they didn't really you're right i mean they, there were some root combinations that just never turned into much but you know i was thinking <laughs> a lot of times when you're when you're making deep shots it's because that's where you get the one-on-one coverage and that's a home run play but this year, if you think about the way the offense has worked, and you watch some of the some of the film um, or rewatch the games, they're getting those one on one matchups ten yards down the field because of faking little outs to OZ or faking jet sweeps. So you don't necessarily need to go thirty yards downfield to get that advantage. They're getting guys behind them. They're just you know sometimes he's not hitting them in stride. So there, there's ways to make a big play without throwing down the field. True, um, that's true. I, and I'll say this too, like if if if, if Doctor Bob rolls out with a game plan against Tech, and it's all of a sudden all this stuff I've been talking about, y'all are more than you're more than welcome to call me a nincompoop. I don't care if that's the way it all works out, and and the the board is happy after a Tech game for once. I more more power to him. But I just I, that's my my one fear. Ferber, what do you think? I, I, you and I have talked about this a little bit in the press box about the route concepts and sort of the way that it doesn't always seem like because I mean sometimes I'll have third downs where Zacchaeus isn't on the field, and I'm thinking. If nothing else, have him on the field to at least give the defense something to think about because otherwise, like you're you're letting them off the hook. You know what I mean? What do you what do you think about this yeah. whole I mean I I mean you have to kinda of think sometimes like what is the other team not what you what you know, what do they not want, right? If I'm a defensive coordinator and I see number four on, on the sideline on third and five, I'm elated, you know? Who yeah, that's who a win for gonna, you. I mean, like I'm not not no offense to Hassis Dubois and Evan Butts and Joe Reed to an extent, but I mean, I'm not really worried about those guys on the same level as Zacchaeus. I mean, he's one of the best receivers in the league. So yeah, I'm more I'm more concerned from like a personnel standpoint. I think they just get a little cute sometimes with that sort of stuff. But as far as like the deep shots, I just honestly don't think that's really um, Bryce's strength as a player. Um, I mean, I don't think he's has he hit a deep throw this year at all. I mean, I mean before I he was hurt, after he was hurt, he had the he had the long ball. I, I put it to you like this: the one he threw to Jana. A couple weeks ago, yeah, that, that was a good ball. that yeah. that to me it counts because it's more than just something where you're expecting a guy, um, you know, to make a play off of the catch in in traffic. I, I'm talking about in, hitting a dude in stride when he can when he can conceivably go score. Yeah, I think I mean a lot of their big plays have just been off yak, um, and and that's okay when you have a guy like Zacchaeus. The the problem for me is next year. I mean, yeah, you're hoping that Kelly can make that leap. And I think he can. I, I mean, I'm too. not. I don't. I don't doubt him. 
but you can't just assume, and there's going to be a lot of talk about that in the offseason, I guarantee you. There's going to be a lot of talk about, you know, they can just take him and plug him in where Zacchaeus played. And I don't think you can just take for granted that the guy you plug in is going to be an 80-catch-a-year guy. Um, I think it's very possible that he can be. Um, but, I mean, that's not something you can just take for granted, right? So my concern would be, like, next year, what are they going to do? But, um, yeah, I mean, even at BYU, I don't think the deep shot was, like, really a big part of the offense. They kind of loosen people up with quarterback runs and stuff like that. But, um yeah, I mean, I would like to, the more diversity you can get in the offense, the better. Like Dave said last week, you know, throw a screen every once in a while, even if it's a tunnel screen or something to a receiver. Um, you know, just try to get different concepts. I right. do like having Kelly and Zacchaeus on the same side of the field and doing all that sort of stuff and having Evan Butts in the in the uh, middle of the field as a weapon. But, um, yeah, I mean, the more diverse concepts you can get, the better. And, you know, so far I think that they've improved in that respect from what they did last year where it was a lot of just like – you know, let's see how far Kirk can throw the ball and, you know, throw it outside. And, um, yeah. At least they're using the field, the middle of the field a little bit more than they were. Yeah. And a lot of Kirk's deep balls were to six foot five Andre Lavrone, who had that's true. You know, very yeah, fast. He can just feet. go up and win. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, who guy. does UVA have that's going to go win that ball? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think going back to the preseason, that's what I was hoping Joe would be this year because, you know, Hasis has got the size, but he doesn't have that, that speed to scare you. And if you're trying to throw deep to TK and, or OZ, you've got to be a lot more accurate than you do throwing to a dude who can run that fast and then out jump you at the end. Um, so, I mean, it is a fine line. Uh, you know, Evan Butts down the seam, I thought might be a little more of a, you know, of a deep threat um, this year. And that really hasn't materialized. But I mean, I guess technically the throw to the touchdown to Joe this weekend was what, 24 yards or something. I guess you could argue that's a deep throw, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a different offense. We also didn't pick up third and downs just by letting the quarterback run a lot last year. So I guess it's a trade-off. That's true. Um, offense, I look, and, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm I'm not beating them up. I, 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 I just think that, like, I, I feel like there's a lot more potential there. Um, I feel like they have more weapons maybe than they're showing. They talked so much this season about wanting to have a third guy, and I'm like, dude, you're not even getting enough out of your, your main dudes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like you should be able to line Kelly and, and Zacchaeus up on the same side, and there should be a reception there pretty much every play because who, what, what two DBs that you're going to be playing can, can handle that? You're going to have to do something different, and that something different is going to create something for your offense. And, and I realize that sounds super simplistic, um, I realized, like I said, I could just be a nincompoop. I could just, you know, hey, Brad, you've never, you've never been an offensive coordinator. Okay, cool. But like, I, I see talent, and I know that Virginia has more talent than the offensive numbers would suggest. To Ferber's point earlier, I do think that's a good, that's a good read. Like, like of of what Bryce is comfortable doing and what he, you know, what his what his skill set is. Like, drop him back and 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 heaving the thing sixty yards is is not. He could he can he throw? Sure, he can. But like, that's not his thing. Um, but I would like to at least uh, see the offense trying to do a little bit more maybe than what we've seen. And it could be possible that they have specific packages that we don't know. We, we can't know what gets called and then what gets checked at the line or what gets run. Um, but I do think sometimes I would I, I, I sometimes go back to the idea that I would like to see him go tempo. If nothing else, that they would have to keep the same guys on the field. And sometimes that would be a, a good thing because it would keep them from having to do so much, you know, package in, package out. Um, to your point earlier – um, I think God, which, I can't remember which one of you guys said it. The idea about like what happens next year, you're going to have a similar issue with Kemp and um, and and Kelly. 
right? One of them's going to be a kind of an H back, and one of them's going to be a wide receiver in the slot. What are you going to do with them? Same sort of thing, right? So maybe not as proven a commodity as as Alameda is, but certainly skill set wise, a lot of it's going to match up. You're still going to have two smaller, dynamic sort of uh, jitterbug sort of wide receivers, and you're going to have to figure out a way to um, you're going to have to figure out a way for them to 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 play off of each other and for route concepts to match up. Um, let's get into to this weekend's game. Obviously, going down to Atlanta, Georgia Tech, monster on the ground, leading rushing team in the country, two-headed monster, sort of, at quarterback. Not really sure how to def- define that. Kelly Quinlan from Jackets Online basically said, look, Taquan Marshall is the quarterback, and then Tobias Kelly – I mean, Tobias Kelly. Tobias uh, Oliver also plays, um, whatever that means. Um, Dave, as you looked at this game, are we over – are we overestimating – Georgia Tech's run game and making too big a deal out of Virginia's lack of depth on defense line, or is that just is that literally the like the crux of this entire game? I think we are overestimating their run game. Um, not it, it's it's good. I don't know that it's the best from Georgia Tech that we've seen. I don't. I'm not even sure it's better than last year's. Um, but I also think it's a very fair point that we're we're really thin on the defensive line. Um, I mean, Georgia Tech's on a little winning streak, but they've beaten Virginia Tech, who's pretty awful, Miami, who's pretty awful, um, and UNC in the last few weeks. They lost to Duke and Pitt. Um, I think they beat Louisville in there, too. So, I mean, they're they're not out beating juggernauts. Um, you know, th- that Tech defense is very young. I was a little – I thought Miami would, would get them, but, you know, Miami just kind of Miami'd. Um, and, and Carolina, I think they gave up. 28 points or something the Carolina scored 38 so I mean they're good I think they're better with Oliver um and then you've got to throw in the for some reason when Paul Johnson plays Bronco Mendenhall he wants Marshall to become a elite passer so I, I don't know what that's about and whether that's going to show up again like I think it's a winnable game I would say it's less winnable with the depth issues we have on defensive line um on the defensive line and with you know, the, the injuries we've had a linebacker and then the secondary. So I, I don't think it's out of question that Virginia will win this game. And I'm not, as of this moment right now, I'm not sure who I'm picking to win it. So. I would say, too, to, to that point, Dave, like I look at Georgia Tech and I see a team that, like, I, I agree. Oliver, to me, looks like the better of the two if he's running Georgia Tech's offense. But you're right. For whatever reason, Paul Johnson likes to throw against Broncos' defense. And if that's going to be what he does, he can't have Oliver be that guy. And if Oliver's in the game, I, it's stupid to say you're going to sell out against the run against Georgia Tech, but you're really selling out against the run. Um, but he's had a couple, you know, he's had a couple touchdown passes this year. What does he have, Ferber? Two touchdown passes on six completions? Yeah. Is that right from your preview? So, like, it looks to me at least like he's not going to be somebody who they, they, they ask to throw the ball. But I do – I have this sneaky suspicion they're going to throw it more than we expect. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I think part of the throws are just because of the way that game got played. But they did throw a lot in the first half. I kind of agree with Dave. I think Oliver kind of gives them a different um, – element that Marshall has from like a power standpoint he's just like a load to bring down and is good in short yardage and obviously he's the team's leading rusher um but either of them are capable and you know obviously we don't need to go through what they do I mean they do 
what they always do, right? And they have a bunch of good running backs, and they'll throw the ball every once in a while, and the quarterback's going to keep it a lot. They're going to try to have long drives, um, but they can hit big plays. So, I mean, you got to just be ready for all that. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a game that it's hard to prepare for, um, but it's something that these players should be used to by now. This coaching staff should be used to by now, and it's going to come down to execution and, and um, you know, winning the matchups with the guy in front of you, especially on the line. Um, and I, I think it's possible that they can do that. I mean, I think also what we've seen in previous weeks has shown us that um, you can't take for granted the fact that they're going to be able to do it, especially in the second half um, if they get worn down. But, you know, not to spoil the preview, but, you know, I, I talked a lot about you don't have to get off the field on third and fourth down, like Bronco said. Um, they do go forward on fourth down uh, quite a bit, you know, fourth and short. Um, and those conversion attempts are going to be huge in the game. And you saw that against Pitt. Um, they converted two fourth and shorts and, um, one helped put them put points on the board and the other one took points off for UVA cause they would have got the ball at like the 15 yard line. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that they, they're just going to have to execute on run defense and try to get off the field. And I think getting a lead early is going to be huge. Um, before we totally go to prediction side of things, I do want to talk a little bit about the, um, the big piece Ferber had, um, on the 24 plus five and, and plus one you guys help, help me think through this we how, when did we start talking we started talking about this and then i, I Ferber, did you just sort of decide was it something dave said because you guys had you, you guys do this thing sometimes where you'll text like 22 times and i'll come back to my phone and be like wow um and so i'm not gonna lie i sometimes lose track of which one of you said what but it seems like to me you got onto this kick of of really testing this 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 metric out um sort of thinking that it was bunk right did you not expect it almost it was almost like you didn't expect it to be as clear-cut let alone as uh as positive as as it ended up being how, how did you sort of get into this idea of going after just tracking this thing down yeah i mean i i don't not i don't necessarily think that my goal going in was to prove that it didn't work but Basically, no, no, no. it was more like you were just interested. Yeah. But if if I had yeah. asked you before you looked it up, I would say, "What do you think is going to happen?" And you, I think you would have said, "I don't think it's going to be as big a deal as 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 they make it seem." Right? Yeah. I mean, I was kind of surprised how effective it is when it actually works. Honestly, what made me think to do it was during the Liberty game. They kind of mentioned it on the broadcast, and it was something that I had thought um, earlier in the year when they beat Miami and scored sixteen. I was kind of like, "Well, I mean, this is kind of a." If Broncos' goal is 24 points, then this kind of shows how fluky-ish. I don't want to say fluky win, but like it took a lot of stuff going right for them to get the win. You know, they had to win the turnover battle. Um, the turnover, the one turnover, led directly to points. You know, they got the ball on the seven-yard line, and and then Miami having all the issues they had on offense. But you know, I kind of wanted to just go in and see how often UVA actually was hitting the numbers, and then how they did when they did that. Um, you know, I knew that they weren't going to win the turnover battle in every every game going back to last year because, you know, they threw a bunch of picks. And, you know, I just remember how those games went. But um, what I found, especially in those charts that are in the piece, you can kind of see the improvement or lack thereof last year. I mean, last year they kind of started off good. I mean, they were taking care of the football. Um, special teams was, was not really hurting them. Um, they were scoring on big plays. And then when the big plays started to go away, the turnovers went up, the field position got worse, and everything just added up to a recipe for disaster. Um, and then this year, you can see that the improvement is there. I mean, 
if you just want to look at how often they're hitting those three goals all in the same game, I mean, they did it twice last year, none in 2016, and then four times already this year in 10 games. So, And then I think they've hit two out of the three twice. Um, I'm not looking at the charts right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can kind of see how it all works together. And that was what really was the big takeaway for me, and that's what I kind of tried to emphasize at the end of the piece was – it's not, you know, I think a lot of people get caught up and in, in myself included in the 24 points. And I used to look at that and say, like, how could you be naive enough to think that 24 points is going to be enough? But if you can get 24 points and do those other things, then you should be in a position to win that game, um, assuming that you don't have an absolutely disastrous defensive performance um, outside of turnovers. Uh, if you can get good field position off of turnovers – that you force those two things that makes complementary football that should lead to more points. Um, and it all makes sense. And then with the special teams improvement that you're seeing this year, that field position advantage is really starting to show up. I mean, in their last four wins, I think they're plus 10 or more in field position in every game. And that's a much bigger advantage than you might think statistically. If you look at, um, you know, like what UVA has been able to do compared to their opponents. They have like, I think it's almost a seven yard advantage every game. And, you know, if that's just one score difference, that extra, that one fewer first down that you have to get, then that could be the difference in a game, especially, you know, ACC with a lot of very similar teams in terms of talent and, and um, you know, like the margin for error isn't that big and, and any game can kind of go anyway. So um, those special teams plays and turnovers and turnover returns are huge. Um, and we're starting to see how all three phases of the game can work together. And it kind of shows you how they've had issues in the past, right? You know, you might have good skill players on one side of the ball, but if the other side of the ball is lacking and then you have a bad special teams, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. And I think that this number, these, you know, these numbers kind of show that UVA is playing more complimentary sound football in all three phases. Yeah, you can. And, uh, and one more thing on field position. It was in UVA's game notes, and I wish I would have seen this before I finished the piece. But in their wins, they have seven wins. Their average starting field position is the uh, is their own thirty seven point seven or something like that. And when in their three losses, it's the twenty six. So I mean, you can really see the difference. I mean, that, obviously you can overcome that, but it's a lot easier when you have good field position to start off. And you can kind of, I mean, that's a huge difference between the wins and the losses. Yeah, for sure. I kind of also think too in in looking at this stuff and and sort of seeing where your 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 data sort of took you. It, it it all it, it, the 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 twenty four points is is to your point is 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 obviously something a lot of folks focus on, but they're not saying like if they score twenty four points they're they're done they're good. It's when they do this and they do that, and it's funny because you can't you kind of can't be a team that sort of takes care of business if you don't take care of these three metrics. Like if you're not scoring twenty four points a game in this day and age, if you're not winning the turnover battle by one or more, and if you're not you know have if you don't have better field position than your opponent you're not going to be able to beat bad teams. like, And that's ultimately, I mean, let's be real. Like, unless you're Alabama or somebody bowling over competition heading for the playoff, like, realistically, what you need to do every week is you just need to handle your business. Like, you just need to basically be consistently solid. And that's what these, This I think, ultimately, that's what this metric sort of is. It's a, it's, a, uh, it's a way to gauge whether or not your team is solid and whether or not you are playing complimentary football. Because if you are, and this stuff happens, you're going to beat a lot of teams because – College kids are just unpredictable and they're not they're not professionals, right? Like they're gonna make mistakes. And so if you can get yourself to a place where you have that sort of consistency and 
and the coaches know what they're going to get out of you every week. It makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Dave, we'll let you let you chime in on this, and then we'll move over to predictions. Yeah, I mean, it was a great piece. It was it was a fun long text thread, and imagining Brad's rolling his eyes every time we send another one. Um, but uh, you know, we I guess it came up on the board when it was posted, and kind of in our our, our text thread is like, does this how does this expand to other teams? Is this a is this a Bronco thing? Um, and I didn't have a chance to dive into it, but just quickly looking at Virginia Tech when they score 24 and are plus one or better in turnovers this year, they're three and zero. they're one in whatever, six or whatever it is otherwise. So, and then I think it was on the board. Someone asked, you know, 24 points, how can you win? And just looking at Notre Dame's record, you know, what he, I think the, I think it was BK who asked, you know, how would this, is this just kind of winning, you know, more than winning in the ACC or is this winning at an elite level? Notre Dame just with the 24 points and throwing out the other part, would have only lost one game this year if, if all they did was score 24. So it, it is interesting. And it, I think complimentary is, you know, I hate to say this a week out from the game, but looking back after seeing these numbers um, and doing the tech thing, it got me thinking about how annoyed I was about Beamer ball and all the non all the non offensive touchdowns they scored. Yeah. And it really seeing makes this, sense. It makes sense. Like, yeah. That's Cause their offense so was never like, you know, a lot of those years, their offense, it's like, how are they winning these games with 24 points? Like, 17 points it's it's because they were creating crazy field position advantages and disadvantages for the other team and then getting free points on special teams that's the way i look at it yeah points I mean, your if, offense doesn't have to score yeah i mean you figure if you score 24 points and you are plus one in turnovers um the other team's not gonna have the ball enough to beat you by scoring more yeah than 24. i mean you're talking about like georgia tech's last game they had nine possessions right yeah so if they waste two of them, and then you have a special team, I mean, that you're there in bad shape. And if you look at their numbers this year, their defense is like 70th or something in, um, you know, points against per game. Which and and their defense is, you know, in a transition. Um, but they've allowed four special teams touchdowns, and I think two or three offensive touchdowns, like pick sixes or fumble recoveries. So I mean, that's not that you're help you're getting in the way of your defense, right? Um, so, I mean, those, they're not even responsible for all those points, but they still count. So, I mean, that all adds up. And then if you look at UVA's, that's why I included it at the bottom of the the piece, the special teams, defensive touchdowns, you know, that they've given up to other teams. I mean, last year it was six the year before, I think it was six, um, four pick sixes in each year. Right. Um, and then two, two return touchdowns last year. So, I mean, this year they've given up one, and it was a pick six on the first drive of the season. So since then, not, nothing. No special teams, you know, touchdowns, and no defensive touchdowns besides that one. So when you're able to do that, it just gives you a bigger margin for error and allows you to, you know, if you can, you know, there's 10 possessions a game, you give up two touchdowns and a field goal, um, and then, you know, maybe force a turnover here or there in your offense, even if they play mediocre you can get a win that way. And that's what that's what this is. It's not Broncos saying like, all right, we got the 24 points. You know, we're good now. It's just like if we can do all three of these things, then the other team shouldn't have that many points because we've taken away advantages in special teams through to field position. Um, we've created our own advantages in that way. And then we're also taking the ball away from them at least once. I mean, that's one of the things like that I kind of took away from it. It's not like there were a lot of games where UVA did fine with turnovers. They were even like the Miami game this year. They had three, but they got three. 
And that doesn't meet the number because you have to take one and, and not give it away or take two and give it away once. And so that you actually are putting something on the defense to to actually go out and get a turnover. Let's get to uh, uh, the prediction side of things. Um, Dave, in the preseason, you had Georgia Tech winning this 24-21. How do you feel now? Well, I don't want to steal Ferber's thunder, but for now on, Justin, that's how I'm doing all my predictions. Like, can Virginia score 24 against this team? Yes, every team in the ACC, except for one, I believe, has scored 24 on Georgia Tech. So I'm going to assume Virginia scores 24. Can they win the turnover battle? Georgia Tech does turn it over quite a bit. Um, and so I'm going to say they win two of the three. It's hard to pick the third one. So I'm going to flip that score and have Virginia win on this one 24 21. Coming back to Blacksburg, eight and three. Did you just you talked yourself into that during the during the shield conversation? No, I was you? actually going to ask you to get Justin to to do his prediction first, so I didn't steal his <laughs> his hard work. But we talked about it, so I well, mine's going to be different. So. He's, yeah, he, yeah, yeah he's going in a different direction. I'm picking it a winner. Ferber in the preseason, you had Georgia Tech winning this thing, thirty five twenty eight. You still expects, uh, I think you still expect a, a shootout, but I don't know if you're going to stick with that number. Yeah, not quite that high. Um, I think the way that they did it is interesting because uh, I think that they can get to 24 points. I think they can win the turnover battle. And like I said, they've given up, I think, four special teams touchdowns this year, Georgia Tech. So uh, that's an area where you can you can make some hay for sure. But with the way the UVA has defended the run, I cannot pick against an option team against this defense. Um, Georgia Tech does turn the ball over, but they also get a lot of turnovers. Um they're one of the nation's leaders in, in turnovers this year. So um, I'm going to go Georgia Tech 31-21 because I think UVA could definitely score more than 21 points. But I think the way that I see the game playing out is Georgia Tech's going to have the ball so much that they're not going to have a lot of chances. Um, I think it's a game that Georgia Tech kind of controls, especially in the second half, kind of like Pitt did. Um, a game that, you know, they, it's like frustrating how long they, they're able to keep the ball because – I think UVA is really going to struggle to get off the field on on third and short against an option team, um, you know, considering they've had trouble stopping a straight up pro style running team. So, thirty-one uh, twenty-one Jackets at home. I think um, I think the idea. Of, let's just all do this in the same. I do think Virginia can score twenty-four. I do think. Uh, all right, sorry, par, par, pardon me. I had twenty-eight seventeen Georgia Tech in the preseason. Um, I'm going to amend that a little bit. I see this thing being going one of two ways. Either it's going to be a shootout, which I don't think is good for UVA, or it's going to be a little bit more like last year Last year in the sense that Virginia comes out, gets a little bit of a lead, Georgia Tech's throwing it more, whatever, whatever. Um, and that, to me, it's funny how I feel like if they're if, if Georgia Tech's still in its running game, then it's a shootout, um, but but it doesn't seem to make much sense. But anyway, I, I think Virginia can score 24. I think they can win the turnover battle, and I feel like they can win the field position battle. The problem is... Georgia Tech's offense and and the way that what they do offensively impacts the complexion of the game, right? Because it does change not the, the whole idea, right, behind the the metric of 24 plus 5 and plus 1 is somewhat reliant on the game being let's call it normal, right? The number a normal number of possessions, a normal number of plays, a normal amount of time with the ball. Georgia Tech's offense is such that you don't you might not get that. It's almost 
it is in that, in that way a lot like playing Virginia basketball's defense, right? In this in the way that it just changes the complexion of the game. You just don't have as many chances, and if you don't have as many chances, it makes everything count more. So I'm not saying you got to double the metric. You got to score 48, or you know you got to win the field position by 10. But in a way, what you I think the metric that's not there is third down, right? You have to stay on the field. You have to get off the field, and. I think that number is going to be much more important than than what this metric might show us, at least in in terms of this one game, because of the nature of what Georgia Tech does. I, I feel like I'm like Ferber. I can't pick against the the option team, given what I've seen from Virginia's defense. That being said, it would not surprise me at all to see you know Georgia Tech put the ball on the ground a couple times. Uh, maybe Virginia gets a little bit of a lead, and Paul decides he has to throw the ball more. If that means less Tobias Oliver, I think that's good news for Virginia. Um, but I, I still think ultimately. You can't pick. I, I just don't know. I just can't pick against Georgia Tech at home, um, considering where Virginia is in terms of injuries and depth and that kind of thing. Um, so, what did you say, Ferber? Thirty-one twenty-one. Yep. All right. Give me Georgia Tech uh, thirty-five to twenty-eight. Um, it just feels about a score. Feels about right to me. Again, would not be surprised to see the Cavaliers pull it off, but um, but I think that it just, I can't pick against the option team. Right now, not the way Virginia's defending the run and given the, the sort of injury situation. Um, anything else for the good of the order before we wrap it up this week? I respect y'all's opinions. Y'all must have totally forgotten what happened last year. <laughs> no, I, I, I haven't. I just think that that team was that, that I put it to you like this the conditions on the ground right now, playing this game in Atlanta. Uh, you don't have Mandy Alonzo, your backup. Your your starting yeah. nose tackle yeah, yeah, yeah. is a freshman. Your yeah. backup nose tackle is a dude who's been who still hasn't have his name on the back of his jersey. Like, I mean, no, I'm not saying you guys are wrong. It's just last year, like the last year's game, kind of made me. And we talked about it leading into last year's game, like the myth that you need to control the clock against Georgia Tech. No, you just need to score when you have the ball. Doesn't matter how long it takes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I think this year you probably don't want to have your defense out there too much. Probably not. Depends on what your <laughs> offense is doing. Like, I mean, you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if just, UVA scores every time they get the ball in one play, then Georgia Tech's going to have a hard time keeping up with that. Yeah, what was it, like the first play of the second half last year that Georgia Tech went up by 14, or was that the end of the first half? It was the very first play of the second half. Yeah, Marshall, like, broke loose. And then well, yeah, Virginia's and it, down and 14. It, well, it was – that it was, I believe it was tied. Marshall went for, like, 70 yards, and then Kurt threw a pick six on the very next play. Yep, that's it. And, and they were then down. They then they had a. But then you hit the like three big pass plays, and the game was tied. You know, so and, and, and there was an interception. Back. There was an interception in there. Didn't Joe Reed take a kickoff back? That was in the first half. First half. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just. It was a crazy game. A while ago. Yeah, but I mean, in the second half, they were down fourteen, and then they quickly got a touchdown back, and then Marshall threw a pick to Blanding in like midfield, and then it was tied, and then it was back and forth from there. And they had a bunch of big plays. I mean, Georgia Tech had like a huge pass play at one point in the second half to take the lead. Um, they threw the ball twenty-two times. Right. Yeah, and they were. I mean, and that's the thing is, you could look at it and say they got behind and started throwing, but really they were throwing. I'm not saying like most of their their passing attempts were early in the game, but they did throw a decent amount in the first half, I believe. Um, you know, they had like a big pass play early in the game, um, yeah. and they just, I guess, just felt. And then obviously, you have to remember that. You know, on that last drive, I think that was probably like seven of the pass attempts. Um, you know, trying to they had like a, they picked up like two first downs. Yeah, it was a few of them. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So I mean, they were throwing the ball a lot then. I just think it's going to play out different this year because oh, I do too. But yeah, I mean, I mean, even even then they gave up thirty six points. So yeah, yeah, it's going to be. I think it's going to be tough on the road. Um, UVA hasn't won down there in ten years. 
So trying to break that streak. Special year, boys. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if they win this one, then I mean, you have to feel pretty good about where they are going into Blacksburg. And no even doubt. if they lose, even if they lose, I don't necessarily think you should feel bad. Because Not at all. It's a tough matchup, and Georgia Tech. I mean, they're playing well right now. I wrote about it today. They've they've won five out of six, like UVA has. So their only loss in there was to Duke, and that's honestly the recipe if UVA is going to win. Duke um, forced a bunch of turnovers. Their offense played like crap, but they still won because Georgia Tech just kept giving them the ball. Want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, feel free to give us a review, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Android, wherever you get your show. Uh, reviews uh, are always helpful to, to get folks to, um, to, to find us. If you are somebody who found the podcast, haven't checked out the website yet, give us a look at CavsCorner.com. Uh, that aforementioned piece that we we were just talking about earlier is a monster, and it's on the site, and there's so much to dig into. Um, Ferber writes a lot of words, and I couldn't do it without him. Um, but again, want to thank uh, David Ferber for being on the show. I want to thank out there for continuing to, to give us a listen. I, I, what are we at, like 283 now? I keep saying this every week, and it's uh, every time I think of the number, I'm just like, God, I cannot believe you guys still want to talk about UVA sports. Yeah, we we need show. to have like a big anniversary special. When we get to 300? spring. Yeah. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, you plan that out, Dave. You you're on top of it. Um, it, it's now we we've we've officially elected you as the person who has to do that. Um, so have your people get uh you know some caterers and figure out how to make that happen. Um, <laughs> Audio issues over here. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, David Spence and Justin Ferber and Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.